0: All right, hey, um, whew, that's good stuff. I um, want to thank our worship team for getting uh, our night started uh, like that. That's, that's really good. That's <laughs> good stuff. Um, wow, that was just really good. Sorry, it was really, that's, that's good stuff. I just love hearing all these voices uh, worshiping. So That's good stuff, good stuff. Well, hey, uh, welcome again. Uh, to Christian Campus Fellowships dinner and a message. That's where you are in case you uh, are confused and wondering where you are. That's where you are. You're at CCF. And we are glad you are here. And uh, it is really good to to see a bunch of people here. It's really good uh, to have Midway's mashed potatoes because those things are just like no joke. And that gravy is mmm. It's like that should be a hashtag right there, that gravy. Good stuff. Mm, Mmm. So good. Um, but hey, uh, thanks for being here. My name is Donnie. I am one of uh, your staff members. And again, just uh, thankful that you're here, whether you are in the room or on the live stream or listening on the podcast later or whatever. We do have a live stream and a podcast. So if your friends can't be here, you should be like, hey, check them out. We've, wherever you find your podcast. That's what all the people say. I don't know what that means. But I think, th- I think it's on Spotify. I do have that. So I think that's what that means. And the, the live streams on YouTube. So yeah, we're, we're all technologically I'm technically challenged, but other people know what they're doing, so. Um, but I am tasked uh, tonight, as is often the case, with continuing our theme of story time. Uh, every year we have a theme, and uh, if, if you're new to CCF and you're like, man, this room looks kind of weird, well, come back next year, it'll look completely different. We always paint it differently for our theme, uh, and, you know, every story whispers his name is this idea of story time that we get from something called the Jesus Storybook Bible. Uh, this is kind of our jumping-off point. Uh, for the year, uh, because the Jesus Storybook Bible does a fantastic job of uh, explaining something that, that Jesus says in one of the uh, biblical accounts of his time on earth, which is the Gospel of John. It's our theme verse. It's back there on the wall, uh, where Jesus says, the scriptures point to me. And the Jesus Storybook Bible does a great job of showing how all throughout the Bible, it's all pointing to Jesus. Even, even maybe some Sunday school stories that if you went to Sunday school back in the day, you've heard, you're like, how's that about Jesus? The storybook Bible probably uh, has, a, has a really interesting perspective on it. And we're going to do that with the story that we're looking at uh, tonight. Now, I know if you hear the thing like storybook Bible and you haven't been with us much and you might be thinking, so, like, stories? Like, I mean, we're not kids here. Um, I'm 45, so you all kind of are. Um, but, um, but, you know, it's like we're not children I get that, okay This is not about looking at different stories in the Bible What we're doing all year is looking at the story of the Bible And that's the story of Jesus And the storybook Bible, as it says, every story whispers his name uh, Some of them shout it, quite honestly But Jesus is in, is in um, every, everything in the Bible It's all about him So that's what we've been looking at uh, this year excited to continue that uh, but before I need go I go any further tonight uh, let me pray for us so do what you do uh, Heavenly Father I thank you for uh, tonight I thank you for each person that is here I am just trusting that you have brought uh, each of us here tonight because there is something that you want us to get from tonight uh, I pray now for the next little bit that you would say what you want to say uh, that you would uh, just get me out of the way don't let me say anything that you don't want me to say and I pray that you would hear for each of us exactly what you want us to hear tonight. Uh, We love you, God. We thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. All right, show of hands if you know how you got your name. Okay, good number of us. All right. Was it about, if we can go with hands again, was it about what your name means? Did your parents see that your meaning of your name was cool? Ooh, not many folks. Okay, a couple. All right, a couple. Was it more about, like, naming, af- getting named after somebody or something like that? I'm a junior, so, yeah, that was mine, for sure. Um, but, y'all, let me just tell you, it's a lot of pressure when you're naming a child. Like, it's hard. There are baby book, baby name books that are just, it's overwhelming. Like, it, tens of thousands, it's just insane. But it's a lot of pressure. Um, you know, like, uh, Lexi's name came uh, out, of a, uh, out of a book that, that my wife Beth was reading, uh, my, my, my family's back here, my wife Beth, and our two daughters Lexi and Carrington, and Lexi's name uh, was in a book that Beth was reading, and she was like, what do you think about this name? And I was like, that's it. And she was like, okay. I was like, no, 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 that's it. I, 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 I really think that's it. And she's like, okay. And, you know, we, we spelled it L-E-X-I-E, which people were always like, oh, I thought Lexi just had an I, but I'm a, I'm a Donnie that's an I-E, not a Y. So I was like, well, welcome to my world of having to explain how your name's spelled for the rest of your life. You're welcome. Um But, you know, Carrington's name, our youngest, we actually got out of one of those baby names books because we were kind of stumped, quite honestly. Um, And we actually live in a neighborhood that's called Carrington, which is kind of weird. But we spelled it differently, and this was on purpose. Not just because it it doesn't look like she's named after our neighborhood, because she's not. But we spelled it K-E-R-R-I-N-G-T-O-N. And my reasoning was, in case she decides one day she wants to go by Carrie, I don't want it to be Stephen King's Carrie, if you're familiar with the Stephen King work because that was scary and just like, let's not do that. So, But, you know, and sometimes you meet people and their name really fits them. and You're just like, oh, yeah, that totally makes sense. I get that. Like, we didn't know this when we named Lexi Lexi, but Lexi means helper. That's her. I mean, it just makes perfect sense. And so it's it's always, it's just, it's challenging because you're basically giving your kid their permanent name tag. You know, it's like, they're going to fill this out for the rest of their lives. Hello, my, unless they go about having it legally changed or whatever. So it's, it's, a, it's a big deal, giving somebody a name. And I want to ask you about this. If you were to fill out a name tag, um, there's a little bit of gravy on my shirt right there. <laughs> I was like, what is that? It's like, that's gravy. That, that is- it was delicious. <laughs> if you were going to fill out a name tag, um, For God, what would it say? I don't mean like, you know, God or, you know, whatever, Lord, but like if you were going to fill out a name based on how you see God, how you perceive God to be, like would it be something like loving? Would it be something like holy? Or maybe it'd be something like unfair, you know, or or maybe distant. And and tonight we're going to look at a story where somebody actually gives God a name. And this actually happens all throughout the first part of the Bible, before Jesus shows up, you see people um, attributing things to God and giving Him specific names based on, on things He's done. And so we're going we're to see this uh, tonight. This is not the first time it happens, uh, but it's the first time it happens in the Jesus Story Bible, so that's our theme, so that's what we're going to go with. Uh, this story is it's a hard one. Uh, at first glance, uh, it seems like you, you would use this story to give God some not very nice names. Uh, I had no intention back in the summer when I was kind of uh, marinating this theme back in my head and, and reading through the story of the Bible, this was going to be one of the ones that we were going to skip because I don't want to talk about it. And God's just like, nope, we're going to talk about it. So more on that later. Um, but I think tonight's story will be helpful because knowing that God has a lot of names helps us see Him in a lot of different ways. And I honestly believe, y'all, that there is value and power in knowing that God's name tells us about not just who he is, but what he does. Okay, so that's what we're going to be looking at uh, a good bit tonight. And and, uh, one of the main characters, I guess maybe the main character in tonight's story, is a man named Abraham. And in case you're not familiar, I'm going to unpack this a little bit. Uh, Abraham's basically uh, a a dude that that God made a bunch of promises to uh, very early on in the Bible, in the very first book, it's called Genesis. Uh, and, and we meet Abraham in, in Genesis chapter 12, and God makes some promises to him. He's like, hey, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to bless all people through you. And sometimes there are some um, children's church songs about Father Abraham, because Abraham ends up being the father of the entire Israelite nation, the father of, the, of what ends up becoming the Jewish religion, and the Jewish religion is what led to, to Christianity. So Abraham's a big deal. And all these promises were made. And one of the promises was your descendants will be more than the stars in the sky. But Abraham's getting on up there in age. And he doesn't have any kids. And by up there in age, I mean like in his 80s. And so he's starting to have some questions. And and finally, when he's 100 years old, the the, the son of this promise, the son of God's promise is born. And, and, And they name him Isaac which means uh, laughter because when God said to Abraham and his wife Sarah, y'all are going to have a kid, they both laughed um, because he was 99 and she was 89, so why would they not have laughed? Um, But they both laughed, incidentally. People were always like, yeah, Sarah laughed. They both actually laughed. Um, But they finally get their son Isaac. And it's like, all right, we finally got him. And then kind of varies, the, the chronology, nobody knows for sure, but it seems like um, Isaac is probably a teenager, and we come to Genesis 22, uh, which is a, a challenging text for sure. I'm going to read it, this is, is going to be a lengthy reading, it's going to kind of go back and forth between a passage from Gen- the Genesis chat passage and the, uh, the storybook Bible version, so, but it'll, it'll have a heading to let you know which one's which, so here we go, this is a story found in Genesis 22. After these things, and those things were the things that happened in chapter 21, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham! And he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Now jump into the story but Bible part. Put his boy on the altar and kill him as a sacrifice? How could God want him to do such a terrible thing? And let me unpack how terrible it is a little bit more, because burnt offerings in Abraham's day didn't mean you took the animal, killed it, and burned it. It meant you took the animal, dismembered it, and then then burned it. So this is not good. Abraham didn't understand, but he knew that God was his father who loved him, and so Abraham trusted him. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac, and he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. "Uh, Papa, Isaac said, "Uh, we have everything except we forgot the lamb for the sacrifice. God will give us the lamb, son, Abraham said. So everything was ready. Abraham took the knife. Tears were filling up his eyes. Pain was filling up his heart. His hand was shaking. He lifted the knife high into the air. Stop! God said, don't hurt the boy. I want him to live and not die. I know now that you love me because you would have given me your only son. And then suddenly Abraham saw a ram caught in some brambles. The sacrifice. God had given them what they needed just in time. The ram would die so Isaac didn't have to. And so Abraham sacrificed the ram instead of his son. And now Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh. That is, the Lord will provide. Jehovah means Lord, Jireh is will provide. God helped Abraham and Isaac understand something. God wanted his people to live, not die. God wanted to rescue his people, not punish them, but they must trust him. And now here's the whisper of Jesus' name. Many years later, another son would climb another hill, Carrying wood on his back. Like Isaac, he would trust his father and do what his father asked. He wouldn't struggle or run away. But who was he? Well, he was God's son, his only son, the son he loved, the Lamb of God. Now, y'all, we have the benefit of hindsight, and chances are if you grew up going to church, you've probably heard this story. Uh, If you didn't grow up going to church, you might have heard this story as a this God dude is messed up. Listen to this story. Um, Because it's, but like, imagine Abraham. I mean, I have lots of questions. I think Abraham had a lot like, why would God ask such a thing? And how does Abraham go about actually going to do it? You know, if if you read through, and that was not all of the Jesus story, but Bible, I just kind of pulled different pieces from it. If you read the whole thing, though, you see the word trust over and over again. So if you think back to that, you know, hello, my name is, name tag, and you think about this story, I mean... You're not going to put nice names there for for God in all likelihood. And for Abraham, you're probably not thinking things like faithful or obedient. But honestly, maybe we should. Because Abraham was willing to trust God. Abraham was willing to trust God, even when he didn't understand. He was willing to trust God. Are we... Uh, If you're new, I like asking questions, and I've been trying to leave us with a question each each week that's going to pop up multiple times throughout the course of the night. And and tonight, that question for each of us to consider is, am I willing to trust God to be who His Word says He is? And by His Word there, I mean the Bible. Am I willing to trust God to be who His Word says He is? We're going to look at some different names of God uh, later on tonight. Trusting God is not an easy thing. It can be scary. But you know who else it scares? It scares Satan. He absolutely hates it. Satan hates it when we trust God enough to do what God asks us to do. There's a fascinating book written by C.S. Lewis called The Screwtape Letters. Um, If you have not read this book... um, I think at some point, everybody should. Now, if you're like brand new to this Christianity thing, maybe not quite yet, because it's a lot. Um, Because what it is, is it is a collection of letters that C.S. Lewis uh, has, you know, come up with that are Uncle Screwtape, who is an elder demon, basically mentoring his demon protege, whose name is Wormwood. It is a fascinating look at how forces of evil, and how Satan actually tries to mess with us. And Screwtape writes this in one of the letters. Our cause is never more in danger than when a human, no longer desiring but still intending to do our enemy's will, and keep in mind, in this case, since they're demons, our enemy, their enemy is God. Okay? So desi- no longer desiring but still intending to do our enemy's will, Looks round upon a universe from which every trace of him seems to have vanished, ask why he has been forsaken and still obeys. I mean, y'all, let's not think that Abraham wanted to sacrifice Isaac, because there's no way. He had absolutely no desire to obey what God told him to do, but he had every intention to do so. I mean, God asked him to do the unthinkable, and he didn't just think about it, he did it. I think he probably didn't think about it, because you start thinking about it and it gets crazy. I think he just trusted. I mean, has God ever asked you to do something that makes no sense? Has God ever asked you to do something that you don't want to do? If the answer to both of those is no, just wait, it's coming. I mean, it's coming. It's coming. I mean, y'all, I I have lost track of how many times God has asked me as I am pulling away from Chick-fil-A with my number one meal and I pull out of the east side Chick-fil-A onto that access road in front of Publix and there's somebody journeying through homelessness and God's like, that's their food, not yours. And I'm just like, really? And incidentally, if you're new and you heard me say the phrase people journeying through homelessness, this is going to be a talk inside of a talk real quick. I say people journeying through homelessness on purpose. It is a very deliberate and intentional way of talking about people because if you say they're people who are homeless, it implies they're always going to be. And if you say they're homeless people, you categorize them as homeless before you categorize them as a person. And if you say they're the homeless, you just completely dehumanized them. So yes, for me to say people journeying through homelessness is a mouthful, but it's worth it to give someone the God-given dignity they have as a person made in the image of God whether they have a house or not. So people journeying through homelessness, that is, that's how we need to, I'm not saying it's the only way to say it, but it's better than some other ways. But I, y'all, I can't tell how many times God's done that. It's like, they need that much more than you do. It's like, all right. God's asked me, I don't know if he was asking so much if you're going to do this, to not take a job that the person interviewing me, I, I was a, um, I taught middle schoolers math and science for about a decade before, before God was like, hey, campus ministry is your thing now. Um, but I interviewed for this job, and the man I was interviewing with was like, I've got two more interviews tomorrow, but at this point I feel bad if I cancel on them. I'm going to call you tomorrow and offer you this job. And I'm driving home, and God's like, mm-mm, that is not the job for you. At some point during spring semester of um, of two thousand one, I was I, I was sitting on the floor at uh, at the apartment of this absolutely gorgeous young lady that I was dating, and um, ended up marrying her, and um, <laughs> and we were sitting on the floor and we we were we were praying and. I'm in the middle of this prayer, and God goes, I need you to pray something. And by the way, if you're like, does God, does Donnie hear like an audible voice? No, but sometimes when God speaks to me, I hear it so clearly in my head and heart that I'm almost like, was that out loud? And and God says, I need you to pray for you to hear it and for her to hear it, that if y'all staying together is going to keep one or both of y'all away from me, that you want me to break y'all up right now. And, I mean, Beth will tell you that I was praying and got really quiet for a while. And <laughs> it was just kind of like, dang it. Um, but I did. You know, I, I prayed it that night um, and then got hit with an overwhelming rush of peace. And that was the night I, knew, I was like, I'm going to marry this girl. Cool. Um, but, yeah, God asked me to pray that. Uh, God has also uh, asked me to pray uh, each time that each time that Beth and I have had a um, well Beth and I Beth has had a positive pregnancy test uh, God has put it on me to pray that if I know in his infinite wisdom and being able to see things that I can't see yet that 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 baby was going to grow up and end up living a life that was going to result in them not being with Jesus for all eternity. God has told me to pray that he would go ahead and take that baby then. I've prayed that prayer three times. We have two children. Uh, about a year before Beth got pregnant with Lexi, our oldest, the doctors will tell you that it was a false positive. But I know better. If you follow Jesus, God will ask you to do hard things. But he will never ask you to do something he's not willing to do himself. Yes, he asked Abraham to sacrifice his son, but he stopped Abraham from doing it. But God didn't stop himself from sacrificing his son. More on that in a little bit. God will give you challenges. Temptations are a thing, y'all. There's there's a book later on uh, near the end of the Bible. uh, It's called Hebrews, uh, not about coffee. Um, As a pastor and a dad, I'm contractually obligated to make that joke. Um, It's just too easy. But it says, there's a place in Hebrews where it says Jesus was tempted in every way that we are. Whatever you're going through, Jesus gets it. He's been tempted in every way, just like we are. Now, I've heard people say before, but but yeah, I get that. But I know that God won't give me more than I can handle. And they're like, Donnie, the Bible says that. God won't give me more than I can handle. And I'm like, you're right. It says it right next to where it says Um, God helps those who help themselves. It's in a book called Second Opinions. Um, It's not in the Bible. It's not in there. Okay, it is not in there. We're going to look in just a second at the verse that people completely twist to make it say that. But as a CCF alum said years ago when, when he was still a student here, of course God's going to give you more than you can handle. Otherwise, you wouldn't need him. I mean, like, really? Of course. So that's kind of like the big-picture answer to that. So I want to look at one verse here that's kind of a little bit more of a, of a honed-in answer, which is a really cool thing about studying the Bible. If you look big-picture and then like more of a narrow scope, it's fascinating what you learn there. But the verse that people oftentimes think says God won't give you more than you can handle is 1 Corinthians 10.13. Uh, and 1 Corinthians is a letter written by a man named Paul who was the first-ever Christian missionary. He started a bunch of churches, wrote a bunch of letters to those churches, and he wrote this one. He says this, No temptation has come upon you except what is common to humanity. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. And you're like, oh, see, right there. Just wait. It's like keep reading, which is often that's what I say to people about things. The Bible says this, keep reading. But with the temptation, He will also provide the way out so that you may be able to bear it. So the only reason you can handle it is because He gives you the way out. Yes, it's more than you can handle on your own. But God will also provide the way out. God will provide. That should sound familiar because Genesis 22:14, 14, which we read earlier, says, And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh. That is, the Lord will provide. Dad, where's the sacrifice? Where's the lamb? Don't worry, son. God will provide. See, Abraham met Jehovah Jireh on that mountain that day. I met Jehovah Jireh during the 2001-2002 school year when I was not teaching but was tutoring for a living. Um, like, it, it just as a friend of mine put it, every time we prayed that I had more t- kids that I could tutor, my friend, I had a friend who was like, so we're basically praying for there to be like dumb kids in Athens. I'm like, yes, that's exactly what we're praying for. <laughs> it's like, that's what we need. But y'all, I, had, I mean, I had, I had rent. I had, a, I had a car payment. I mean, I, there was stuff. And God provided. The whole time. I met Jehovah Jireh there. I met Jehovah Rope, which means the Lord who heals, at the foot of an intensive care bed at Emory Hospital back in December of 2013. Uh, my brother-in-law had uh, a series of massive strokes. And we got called in and the doctor was pretty much like, he's not making it through the night. And we got three and a half more years with him. Because God is Jehovah Rope, the Lord who heals. I met Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace, in 2009. Incidentally, it's not the Lord of peace. It's the Lord our peace. And that makes a difference, because if He's the Lord of peace, that means He brings peace with Him. But if He's the Lord our peace, that means He is the peace. And you might be like, eh, it's just semantics. Yes, semantics is what words mean, so that matters. But I met Jehovah Shalom in 2009, when the school that was the only school I ever wanted to teach at told me, we think you should keep teaching, but we don't think you should keep teaching here. Not, Not a good way to fire somebody. It's like, Really? We think you're a great teacher, just not great enough. Thank you. Um, and I had people who were like, how are you so calm? And I was like, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense, but I'm completely at peace with this. And so Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rophe, Jehovah Shalom, these are just some of the names of God that appear uh, in the Bible. Hopefully at your seat when you sat down, you found this little sheet that has some more names of God. Every single one of these is in the Bible. Okay? I can show you where later if you would like me to. Some of them are in there a lot. Some of them are in, the, in there just once or twice. But see, in Bible times, people didn't just call God God or, or Lord. They identified, identified Him based on His characteristics. You know, He's everlasting. He sees me. He's, he's our righteousness. All of these different things. So like, just take a look at this, and, you know, which ones of these really jump out at you? Are are there some that you're like, yep, I've seen God be that? And are there some where you're like, I haven't seen Him be that? It's like, cool story about Jehovah Rope, Donnie, but I've asked Him to do that. I've asked Him to heal, and He hasn't. And I get that, because I have too. But every single one of these names is found somewhere in the Bible. And what I want to challenge us to do is to do what Abraham did, even though it's super hard. I want to challenge us to trust, to ask ourselves, am I willing to trust God to be who His Word says He is? Now, all I don't know your story. You may have really good reason to doubt some of these names. But if what the Bible says is true, and I believe it is, God is worthy of each of those names. Now, I would love to sit up here for about three hours and unpack every single one of them because, man, there's some really cool stuff about the language of these, but I don't think y'all want me to do that. Um, But I would happily talk to you about any of these names, uh, you know, later on. Uh, Kristen, one of our other staff members, she loves talking about names of God Uh, in the past before we kind of rearranged our leadership model, uh, structure, uh, whatever. um, She led our sophomore leaders, and they did a Bible study on the names of God. Okay, so, uh, so Kristen will be happy to talk to you about that stuff too, but I want to point out one. I want to point out one name that if we really believe this, if we really trust this name, it's a whole lot easier to, to trust the rest of them. And we, and we saw it on the, what's, what's the last little section of the Storybook Bible section, uh, part of this story. Many years later, another son would climb another hill carrying wood on his back, like Isaac, he would trust his father and do what his father asked. He, would, he wouldn't struggle or run away. Who was he? Well, he was God's son, his only son, the son he loved, the Lamb of God. Now, the Storybook Bible, folks, did not come up with this Lamb of God idea. We find that in John's Gospel also, John 1.29. The next day, John the Baptist, who was kind of the guy that kind of set the table and got everybody ready for Jesus to come, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, if you've grown up going to church, you're kind of like, All right, yeah, Lamb of God, I've heard that before. If you haven't grown up going to church, you might be a little confused. Uh, The people that heard John say that weren't confused. They were shocked, completely stunned, that he would refer to a grown man as the Lamb of God. Because they knew what happened to lambs of God. They were sacrificed. They knew that. And they also knew that when they offered those sacrifices, when they offered those lambs, they understood that the animal they were sacrificing was a symbolic representation of them. See, the way that Jesus' story of the Bible put it, the ram would die so Isaac wouldn't have to. Years later, Jesus would die, so we don't have to. Yes, we will take a final breath at some point, but followers of Jesus don't die. And we don't die because Jesus died, so we don't have to. That's why that name, Jesus, is the name above all names. Jesus, incidentally all, is a translation of the Hebrew name Yeshua, which means Savior. Okay, so when we talk about Jesus as Savior of the world, if you hear church people, Christians talking about that, Jesus has to be that because that's what the name means. The Jesus storybook Bible calls it Rescuer, which I think is really cool. But that's the name. Okay, the name of Jesus, if we really believe that Jesus is our Savior, if we really believe that Jesus is our Rescuer, if we really believe that Jesus is the Son of God, every other name on this sheet falls into place. I mean, honestly, if you believe the last one, all the ones before it are easy. Now, I want to be clear about something Um, with these other names. These aren't like magic words, okay? It's not like God's up in heaven like, all right, if you address the right prayer to the right name, you get it. That's not the way it works. God's way more gracious and and merciful and kind um, than that. They're not magic names, but they're true names. And the reason I think that God made sure these names were recorded was so that we could trust in that, and so we could, so we could walk around uh, in a parking lot one day, talking to Jehovah Rope about a dear friend's uh, child who needs healing. It's how you can just walk in circles and keep saying, I know you're Jehovah Rope, so I need you to be him. Because we need some healing here. That's the value in those names. Not to get God's attention. Oh, they're talking to Rope, they must need, somebody must be sick. It's not, no, it's, it's to remind us that he is the Lord who heals. Because if what the Bible says is true, and I believe it is, every single one of these is true. The only question is, am I willing to trust God to be who His Word says He is? I, I want to encourage all of us to spend some time with this, okay? And if, again, if you want to know more about Him, Kristen or myself or anybody on staff will talk to you about it. That's what we're here for, is to help you all get to know Jesus and get to know God better. And I think there is tremendous, tremendous power and value and understanding in getting these different names. And understanding that this is the God who, yes, made everything. And part of that everything is you as an individual. So may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all as we trust God to be who His Word says He is. Let's pray. Heavenly Father God, I believe that you are El Emanuel. That you are God with us, right here and right now. God, we each and all have a lot of things going on uh, in our lives, in our hearts, in our minds. God, in some way or another, we all need you to be Jehovah Rope, the Lord who heals. So help us to each trust you as Jehovah Roy, the Lord our shepherd, and enable us to trust you enough to follow you like sheep follow their shepherd. God, you know we have got a lot going on, so I ask you to open our hearts to you as Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. Even when it doesn't make any sense for us to have peace, God, enable us to trust you, not that you bring peace, but that you are peace. God Most High, El Elyon, Thank you for not withholding your son, your only son, whom you love, but making him the Lamb of God who died in our place, making him and him alone worthy of being called Savior and being named Jesus. It is in his name we pray. Amen.